Yeah, they are becoming that. I mean, uh, Green Street Advisors says that, uh, and, and they're a big you know, advisory firm for the whole commercial real estate industry. They said mobile home parks are the darling of all commercial real estate now. They said that in April, but, um, but they haven't been. Uh, I think one of the reasons is the stigma with trailers. You know, my mom always told me nothing ever good happens in a trailer park. Stay away from those places. And I think that that's... A great book can totally challenge your conventional thinking and change your life for good. However, some of us just don't have the luxury of time of sitting down to read a book. But there are some instances in which we do have dead time. And these are perfect times to learn. So we can learn while driving instead of jamming to the same music on the radio or maybe at the gym. Well, now you can dwell in and partner with Amazon's Audible to give you the dwell listeners a free book. Yes, a free book. So all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash dwelling and download your free book. This will also be in the show notes. You can click on the link. And if you don't have a book in mind and you say, Ola, I don't actually know where to start with. Well, awesome, because I can tell you one start with today. It's a quintessential classic. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So download Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that would basically just take your mind on a different spin. Of course, I'm always open to hear um, from our Dwell listeners. So email me at ola at dwelling.com. And then feel free to also give us a, a rating and review. This really helps us to rank better in iTunes. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got the amazing and incredible Paul Moore with us today. Hey, Paul, how are you doing? Great, Ola. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. So glad to have you on the show. Um, so, Paul, I mean, let's kind of just jump right into it. Um, you've been doing this for, you know, quite some time. Um, I can't wait to, to get some tidbits from you. So just kind of start with, you know, who you are, what you've been doing, and, and kind of what you've been up to lately, actually. Yeah, so um, I was, I, you know, I did a multifamily uh, ground up development in North Dakota and uh, around 2011, owned and operated that for years with a partner and decided I really love multifamily, but I didn't want to do ground up development anymore. So I joined a mentoring program and uh, I got involved, you know, get to know really deeper dive into class B and C multifamily. And I ended up writing a book called The Perfect Investment. And um, as a result of that time frame, I told my wife, I promise I'm only going to do multifamily from now on. I'm not going to veer off of that into anything else. Well, I was also getting into my mid-50s and Ola, I, I, I was starting to hate risk. You know, I didn't want to do ground up development, but I also didn't, I, I felt like I, my acquisition team at my company was not doing a good job. That included me. We were not doing a good job finding off-market apartments and we couldn't find anything that wasn't overpriced. And so we thought, you know, we're not going to overpay for these multifamilies. So we beat our head against the wall for about four years and we finally uh, branched out into self-storage and mobile home parks. And so we've been working in that arena for a couple years and we're very excited about the opportunities there to acquire self-storage and mom uh, from uh, self-storage and mobile home parks I should say from mom and pop operators pay them a very good price but have a lot of meat left on the bones for upside for our investors yeah that is really interesting you said that actually it's kind of like um 
you know, going full round in circle because I feel like I'm in that position right now. We were talking just before the, the call, um, before I hit record and it's just, just you know, making these deals work is it's just almost in, in just just it's just crazy right now. So I have been hearing a lot about, you know, mobile home parks and you know, I definitely wanna touch on those a little bit. But I wanna go to something that you said, which is ground up development. And, you know, dwelling we're kind of in the process of vertically integrating our company and you know, development is one of those things. <laughs> so, um, so I don't go down the same path that you did. Um, why didn't you like ground up? So ground up development, or I should say developers are some of the wealthiest people on the planet, but a lot of them are also delivering pizzas right now because it is so risky. And if you time it right, you can make millions. If you time it wrong for, Sometimes, not always, sometimes reasons outside of your control, you can lose everything. Howard Marks, uh, I think it was him, jokingly said that the wealthiest people in a real estate development deal are the third owners. Howard Marks uh, wrote a great book called Mastering the Market Cycle, and he's a great, basically Warren Buffett drops everything and reads everything Howard Marks puts out when he puts it out. So he's a smart guy. But he said the third owners of real estate are the wealthiest. He said the first, the developer typically goes bankrupt. The second owner is the bank and they typically sell it for break even or less after they get it back from the developer. And then the third owner is the one to make a big profit on it. And so I know that development is a great thing to do, but it's just not my skill set. And at my stage in risk tolerance, it's definitely not something that I want to do. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's really fascinating. So I'm guessing I, I have to ask. So I'm guessing the third guy, uh, people like us, would the bank sell the the asset to after they they foreclosed on the developer? So they sell it to apartment syndicators or apartment investors like ourselves. Is that who the third person is? I'm just yeah, sure. yeah. You're the third guy, man. You're 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 ready for success, Ola. <laughs> If I don't go into development, right? <laughs> yeah, well, no. I, I And again, I want to be clear. Developers make billions of dollars, but it's just not for everybody. And the timing has to be right. Sometimes really successful developers lose everything because of timing outside their control. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's what a way to start the, the you know, the podcast. Yeah, that's really interesting to to learn. So, you know, you, you did this ground up in North Dakota, and then you said you wrote a book. Um, I'm just kind of curious to what made you, you know, write a book. I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, just be for self-centered motives, if nothing else. Um, I realized, you know, that I, I, I mean, I was in my early 50s, and I was found myself wishing that I had started apartment investing in my 20s. And so I thought, well, I'm 30 years behind here, so I got to make up some ground. I've got to start looking for investors. And I thought, well, I think one of the best ways to do that is to be an author. It'll give me a gateway to get on great podcasts like yours. And so um, I, I thought if I have a book, I'll be able to do a lot more promotion, publicity, et cetera. And as soon as I finished the book, I was able to jump right on Joe Fairless's podcast and others. And so it's been a great open door for me. I've and that's the real honest reason for why I wrote it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Joe's a, an amazing, amazing, my amazing guy, obviously. Um, yeah, sure. So, so you guys, like you said, you were kind of banging your head on the proverbial wall, 
trying to get this multifamily deals to pencil out and then you kind of um kind of shifted sideways it's still multifamily but into uh, mobile home parks and then self-storage um so can you just kind of tell us it you know kind of the differences apart from the fact that you made the numbers work <laughs> but what are the difference between between kind of say mobile home parks and then then apartments and then why are mobile home parks not as sexy <laughs> as as apartments right you know yeah, they are becoming that. I mean, uh, Green Street Advisors says that, uh, and, and they're a big you know, advisory firm for the whole commercial real estate industry. They said mobile home parks are the darling of all commercial real estate now. They said that in April. But, um, but they haven't been. Uh, I think one of the reasons is the stigma with trailers. You know, my mom always told me nothing ever good happens in a trailer park. Stay away from those places. And I think that that stigma out there has just made it look like it's just not a very cool thing to be involved in. But, you know, Sam Zell, the most successful real estate investor in America, probably on the planet, and Warren Buffett, uh, both are deeply involved in the manufactured housing, you know, industry and mobile home uh, industry. Sam Zell has 158,000 mobile home park pads, last I checked. And so... Um, it really is a significant, uh, there's a, there are significant opportunities. You know, when I first heard about value add in mobile home parks and in self-storage, I chuckled. I thought, what, what are you going to add value to in a mobile self-storage? You know, I mean, think about apartments. They've got lights and color and flooring and cabinets and countertops and, you know, you can add all these valuable things and raise the rent $100. That's true. But uh, self-storage, what? You know, it's got four sheets of metal, some rivets, a concrete floor, and a door. How are you going to add value to that? You know, you sweep it out. You sweep the dust out for the next tenant. I had no idea that both these asset classes have tremendous value-add opportunities. And at this point in time, with 93% of apartments above 50 units owned by corporations that have largely run the value out of them. There are a lot more upside in mobile home parks that have, you know, 90% of the owners are, you know, mom and pop owners that leave a lot of upside and about 70% of the owners of self storage are independent operators. A lot of those are mom and pops that have a lot of upside left in their deals. So I just can't wait, Paul. Like I am, I am where you were <laughs> when you were saying, "How in the world can you add value to a storage space and a mobile home park?" So if you don't mind, just kind of, you know, um, I don't want to kind of just yeah. guess. Like, can you just kind of go through a few for each asset class? Yeah, let me buzz. Let me buzz through a few. So of course you know, uh, but I want to make sure the listeners know that. You know, residential real estate, is the value is based on comps, comparable properties in the neighborhood. But commercial real estate is based on an equation. It's based on math. And that equation is the value is the net operating income divided by the rate of return or the cap rate. And so if you can move the net operating income up, and if you can sometimes shrink the cap rate, you can mathematically increase the, <clears throat> excuse me, the appraised value of that asset. And so let's take um, self-storage. You can add a showroom and you can sell locks, boxes, tape, and scissors. And you can also sell renter's insurance. 
You can also charge admin fees and late fees. Um, you, these are things that typical mom and pops don't do. Um, they can also, a mom and pop seller often has a lot of land. For example, a self-storage facility I'm looking at right now in Florida has like 150 units, but it has 10 acres of vacant land with it that they're doing absolutely nothing with. Um, so there's a lot of things that can be done. Another big value add for self-storage is adding uh, U-Haul. Let's do the math on that. So you can add, uh, I'm thinking of a, a self-storage facility in Florida that, got, that gets over 5,000 a month in commission from U-Hauls. The typical range is two to $5,000 a month. Let's say you can add 4,000 a month. All right, let's say you paid 3 million for your self-storage facility. That's a million and a half cash and a million and a half debt for our example, okay? Now, let's say you can add $4,000 a month in U-Haul commissions, okay? So that's $48,000 a year you're adding to your net operating income. And that's with no additional capital expenses, at least none to speak of. And you divide that, again, our value formula, right? Net, net operating income divided by cap rate. Divide that by 6% cap rate. That's 0 0.06. 48,000 divided by 6%. Look at that, 800,000 increased in value. Increase in value. Yep. So the 1.5 million in equity out of that $3 million deal just increased by $800,000. That is a huge increase in equity the bankers don't share. So that's self-storage. Mobile home parks, here's some value adds. Um, you, a, a lot of mom and pop sellers still, you know, they might charge 20, 30% below market rents. So just, you know, incrementally inching the rents up over a few years to market levels is one value add. Second, over the years, typically a mom and pop seller, owner, owner, seller will have a lot of vacant lots. So I'm thinking of a 311 lot mobile home park in uh, Louisville, Kentucky that our operating partner acquired. Uh, the, the, uh, it had 50 vacant lots, okay? Well, the seller hadn't even been to the park in five years, and uh, these vacant lots would not get filled. And so the value adds for him are number one, everybody else in the area was passing back water and sewer and of course electric to the tenants to pay themselves. Well, this company, this owner, this mom and pop was eating those expenses. That was like $200,000 a year. Well, passing that back to the tenants, this was a $7 million more or less acquisition. Well, $200,000 a year passed back to tenants at 6% adds $3 million to the value Crazy. of that seven million dollar asset. Crazy. Second, lot rents in the two hundred sixty lots that were there were you know hundred dollars below market. So let's say they just increased them by twenty five dollars uh, the first year. Twenty five dollars times two hundred sixty lots is seventy eight thousand in increased lot rent, and it's it's still way below market. Divide that by 6% cap rate, there's a $1.3 million increase in value to the property. The third one is a little harder, and like I said earlier, filling vacant lots. By aggressively bringing in used and some new mobile homes to the park and then selling them, even at a break, even to the occupants, 
to people who will come in and live there, you're dramatically increasing the value of the park. Let's just say in a typical park, anywhere from 70 to $110,000 in value created using our formula for every lot filled. You can also rent uh, carports, decks, sheds, things like that to the tenants at a very low cost. That would be a real blessing to them, but would really add to the bottom line. So there's lots of value adds in these asset classes. You can see I'm a little excited about it. I can tell. Yeah, no, this, you, you've got me excited too, actually. Um, yeah, because we have been thinking about, you know, MHPs for quite some time, but I'm just really careful as to introducing something, a new asset class to our investors, because I might make them feel, hey, this right. is a little bit different, right? You know, I got to tell you something. So I was all, I mean, look, I wrote, I humbly titled my book, that's a joke, if you're listening, uh, The Perfect Investment. And I was sure that my investors would have a rebellion if I added mobile home parks for self-storage, but I was completely wrong. I've never had one investor that I'm aware of who turned against us because we added an asset class. That's good to know. Yeah, no, that's definitely good to know. So I really love what you mentioned about the value, at, um, you know, especially for the mobile home parks or RUBS, right? So ratio utility billing system, billing back the the... The, right. the residents, what they use, the lot rate increases, um, bringing in new or used mobile home parks to sell and then rent carports and decks. So those are pretty um, awesome ones. I think maybe we can do like a, a case study of a you know, mobile home park that you bought. Just kind of tell us how did you guys find the deal? How did you fund the deal? And you know, how's the asset doing now if you haven't disposed of it? Well, let me, you know, give you, um, um, let, me, let me tell you quickly about our model. We decided when we got into this asset class that we did not want to be the operator. We did not want to be the one to go out and acquire these assets. We wanted to find, we wanted to be a due diligence company. So Wellings Capital is a due diligence company that goes out and finds the very best in class, most experienced operators, and we invest heavily with them. But Let's go over a quick example here. So um, our operate, one of our operating partners has a team of four people that call uh, investors eight hours a day, five days a week. I mean, they call mom and pop owners, I should say. And so they were on the phone with this mom and pop group out of a small town in Beeville, Texas. Um, and it was a self-storage facility. The parents had unfortunately passed away. And all five kids were fighting about how to run this facility while, of course, it was all just going downhill all the time. And so uh, they looked at the numbers and this, my friend, the operating partner offered, I think it was $2.3 million on it. And I, they may have offered a little less is what I'm saying, but they did close on the property at 2.3 million. And he found out during the closing process that it was actually on the market with a broker for $5 million and he bought it for 2.3. Now 2.3 was a fair price given the fact that it had huge delinquencies. Rents were 26% below market value, market rates. The occupancy had trended down and down and down. There was, I think there was no website, no U-Haul, uh, no, all kinds of things that they could have done they weren't doing. And so it was a fair price at 2.3 million. Well, my operating partner got in there. He added U-Haul. He 
brought delinquencies from like some enormous number down to like 5%. He increased occupancy over just three or four months with some good marketing up to a normal level of about 94, maybe 92%. And he raised rates by, I believe it was close to the 26% that they were behind. And the appraised value, he bought it in March of 2019. We invested in it right after that. And uh, we invested heavily in this property. I'm glad we did because um, it, on June 28th, 2019, believe it or not, just three and a half months later, this property was appraised. Remember, he bought it for $2.3 million. It was appraised for $4.6 million. If you assume that he took on 50% debt and 50% equity, uh, his equity in that original property, let's just say it was $1.7 million, it was just increased by 2.3 million more, bringing the equity from 1.7 million to about 4 million that quickly. I think I might've done the math wrong. Maybe it was, yeah, that's about right. I think, I think the equity was way more than doubled that quickly. Honestly, investors that we talk to can, can't even nearly believe these stories, but I'm telling you, I've seen him do this over and over and over. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is really fascinating. You definitely got my attention. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, um, you know, a little bit more, just, I, I know you mentioned, you know, some more about the book, but just tell us a little bit more about the book. Where can we get it? What was the story about? How can folks find it? Yeah. So the book is called the perfect investment and it's basically, um, my theory that multifamily investing has the perfect balance of risk return demographic foresight you know they're able we're able to look down the road at the demographics decades ahead um not with certainty but i mean we can see based on birth rates what the demand will be in 25 or 30 years for apartments and all kinds of things and so it's a really i just think it's a great asset class when it's not overpriced and when it's available you know right now it's really hard to find good deals in apartments um, but the book goes over a kind of a high level, how to get involved in this asset class. It's arguing for getting involved at a high level with large apartments, not small ones at first, and uh, basically going over how to become a syndicator, etc. all the stuff we love. Um, I've got another book coming out called Storing Up Profits, Capitalize on America's Obsession with Stuff by Investing in Self-Storage, and that's being published by Bigger Pockets publishing in late 2020. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that, Paul. Um, when that comes out, I definitely want to buy that. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? You bet. First question. What makes you, Paul, unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? Yeah, you know, so one thing that, that makes me unique, I think, is I really, I, I made a couple million dollars when I was only 33, and I realized there was no great joy in that. There was definitely no great joy in the semi-retirement. And so I, here I am in my mid-50s, knowing that I never plan nor desire to retire. Um, and I found myself with a need to have a big why as a result of that experience. And so that's, that's one thing I'd say. Yeah, nice. Second question, what was the last book that you read and what was the one thing you picked up from that book? 
It was called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And I'm on my second read through right now. And um, what I picked up was that I need to be a much better listener. Yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, one of my favorite books of all time, actually. Um, yeah, <laughs> last question. Of course, you're, you know, investing um, a ton. You're obviously writing books with bigger pockets. Um, you've, you've got your hands full. I'm sure you're spending time with the family. Um, what do you do for fun? Or oh, maybe that was the answer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had this question on the Bigger Pockets podcast and I stumbled over it. I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to windsurf. When was the last time you windsurfed, Paul? Oh, well, like seven years ago. But um, no, seriously, I love spending time with my family. I have one daughter who loves movies. We watch movies. Another daughter who likes to go for drives and go get ice cream. My son loves to go fishing and hunting and so we do that together. Uh, that's, uh, that's what I love to do. And of course, my wife of 33 years, uh, her and I have all kinds of things we share, including movies, uh, good dinners, things like that. Kind of boring oh. though. Yeah, uh, no, I love it. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, that's, I mean, I can totally relate with, with all of those. Yeah, actually. So yeah, um, I mean, really, really appreciate you coming on the, on the show. If there's somebody listening and thinking, wow, Paul has got me really interested in learning more about, you know, MHPs or self-storage. What's the best way folks can reach out to you, get connected with you, know more about you? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, I'm all over Bigger Pockets a lot, but uh, you can reach out to me at wellingscapital.com. That's W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S-C-A-P-I-T-A-L, wellingscapital.com. Paul, an absolute pleasure. You're a legend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tola. It was really an honor to be here. Thank you so much. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.